Amen. That was a great song, and I sure enjoyed the teen ensemble this morning. That was great as well, and uh, just so good to be with you this morning. We have sunshine in the Northwest. That's always a blessing, and thank the Lord for that, and it's great to see each and every one of you. Would you take your Bible this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, and thank you, Brother Wilkerson, for that message. You know, sometimes something like soul winning, uh, we'll preach on it and, and then think we've got it. But you need to be reminded. Amen. And that was a great reminder this morning. And uh, he touched upon the fact that you can be all around ministry and all around doing stuff for the Lord, but not actively seeking to win souls for Christ. And so we all need to take a, a reminder today about being faithful in seeing people the way Jesus sees them. The Son of Man has come, why? To seek and to save the lost. And thank you, Pastor Wilkerson, for that great, great reminder. Let's stand together. I want to mention a couple of things that we have uh, out in the, uh, where's the, is it in the gym? Is that where the book table is and so forth? And I know there are several pastors here this morning. Uh, here's our book, Making Home Work in a Broken Society. This is about raising children. It deals with uh, all the uh, social media. It deals with gender confusion. It deals with uh, local church involvement. It deals with the role of mom and dad. And uh, this is a fantastic material for you if you have kids still at home, moms and dads, or if you know somebody that does. I hope you'll take that. And uh, we have uh, enjoyed raising our family for the Lord, seeing them serve the Lord. Here's something that goes right along with what Pastor spoke about this morning. Take it personally. And this is how to take the gospel personally. Dedicated to Jerry and Bonnie Furso. Brother Furso has been our soul winning director for 32 years, and uh, this uh, deals with uh, how do you present the gospel, how do you establish new Christians, how do you help them to become an effective witness for the Lord, and that's out there at the gym as well. Our brand new book, The Resilient Life, this is really being used, it's already had uh, several thousand copies sold across the nation, and just a book of encouragement on how to keep on keeping on for the Lord, and uh, really deals with some of the issues that came up through COVID, uh, deals with overcoming a crisis, overcoming fear, anxiety, depression, personal need, overcoming the unknown, and uh, lots of good stories, lots of good Bible principles in that book that you might enjoy, and I hope that you'll stop by and pick some of those up. I also want to uh, mention that we have a good number of college materials and brochures. I don't have them in the auditorium here. So where's Josh Marquardt at? Josh and uh, Brother Josh, raise your hand right back here. He's with me. He's manning the table back there. If you have questions about the college, stop by the gym there. He'll help you. Some of the young people may have received some of those things already. And we want to give you a copy of our new CD, The Only Worthy King. Great conservative music from West Coast Baptist College. And I hope you'll stop by there uh, in the gym and pick some of these things up. If you have questions while I'm here, please let me know. We're excited about what God is doing. We had a basketball game uh, Saturday night. Don't like, I don't like games on Saturday night. We played Occidental College. That's uh, where Obama went, and I so wanted to beat them. We lost by about four or five points, but uh, a lot of good spirit on the campus and a lot of great things happening, and what Pastor preached this morning is really the core of it all, soul winning. Just teaching the students how to win and disciple others for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I uh, hope that you'll uh, inquire and uh, you serve God, as Brother Wilkerson mentioned this morning. Genesis 12 is our text. And as we look at verses 1 through 3, I'd like to speak this morning on beginning with faith. Beginning with faith. Now, we're beginning with faith at Faith Baptist Church. Amen. But we want to study the subject of faith this morning. 
And I hope you'll pray for me as I preach today. I heard about a pastor who, uh, after church, his son went up to him and he said, Dad, how come you always sit down up there on the platform and then you, you put your head down and you look down to the ground? He said, well, son, I'm praying that God will help me to preach a good sermon. And the little boy said to his dad, he said, Dad, I think you need to pray harder. <laughs> And so uh, you pray for me as I preach, and, and uh, I'll appreciate that. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the fact that you want to bless us and make us a blessing as well. And even as you used Abraham, Abraham, Lord, was a man that had to live by faith. Father, we're not going to see souls saved if we don't believe that you are in the soul-saving business. We're not going to see great works done. These teenagers this morning, they're not going to see great things in their lifetime if they do not believe that you are able. So strengthen and increase our faith this morning, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We are living in uncertain times, and certainly we have seen the political unrest and the threat of war, the threat of China, the threat of inflation. We hear about all these things on the news, and, and uh, all of them cause us, of course, to realize there's one thing that is certain, Jesus is coming again. Amen. And yet when we see these things on the horizon, sometimes even as pastors, we don't know what to preach about next, what to preach about first. There's, there's so many family problems and medical problems and political problems and all these things that, that burden people down and, and create this uncertainty. I heard about a missionary couple that brought some of their national pastors back uh, to America from the field of Africa. And as they came back, they were at a conference like this, and those pastors had never been to America. They were loving every bit of the singing and the, the, the fellowship. And after uh, one of the breaks came by, after lunchtime, and some of the national pastors said, they said uh, uh, to the missionary, can we take some time and go downtown and see the, the city and the stores, and we'd like to see a little bit about America. So the pastor said, well, uh, he said, uh, that'll be fine. The missionary did. He said, I'm not able to go with you, but I want you to go. And uh, he said, uh, uh, if you have uh, uh, any needs, just give me a call while you're down there. And so uh, sure enough, about an hour later, the phone rang. And uh, the, uh, uh, the national pastor said to the missionary, he said, missionary, we are lost. He said, we don't know how to get back to the church. And so missionary said, all right. He said, here's what I want you to do. Go to the closest intersection and look up on the sign and tell me what you see. And so a few minutes later, uh, uh, the national pastor said, all right, missionary. He said, I'm at the corner of walk and don't walk. And uh, sometimes uh, I get up and I start my day and I have my devotions and I feel like I'm at the corner of walk and don't walk. I, I say, Lord, I don't exactly know what you want me to do today or where you want me to go today, but I want to do exactly what you want me to do in this day. On the journey that Abraham lived, we see that Abraham lived about 1850 B.C. He is the father of the nation of Israel. 
He had a journey of faith that began in what we know to be the Ur of the Chaldee. This is the place of his birth, his upbringing, southern Iraq uh, to be exact. His travels led him uh, to Haran, Syria. From Haran, Syria, he passed through Canaan uh, to Shechem. And then from there, he came down and passed through the gate at Dan in northern Israel. There's actually, to this very day, uh, the gate of Dan. uh, And they call it the Abraham Gate because that is where Abraham entered into the promised land. Now, God's choice of Abraham was an act of sovereignty. It was his will that Abraham would be the father of his people. Abraham was not perfect, but God reached out to him as a friend. How many of you are thankful that though we're not perfect, God calls us his friends? And he calls Abraham his friend. And Abraham was God's friend because when God invited him to take a journey without telling him all about it or where he'd finally wind up, Abraham just wanted to follow God and to be with God. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him. But the Bible says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. This morning I want you to see as we begin 2023 some lessons from the life of Abraham. I want you to learn how Abraham had faith to follow God, faith to journey with God, and ultimately faith to sacrifice for God. God wants us to follow Him today. God wants us to journey with Him this year, and God may call upon us to make sacrifices for Him as well. I want you to see the faith to follow. The Bible tells us about it in verse number 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him and Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. Now we see that faith to follow is a faith that is exercised. Very simply in verse 4 it says, so Abram departed. You hear a message like we heard on soul winning, you have a choice. What are you going to do with that when you get back home tomorrow? Uh, I want to encourage you to get out soul winning, to make a time, to take and act upon what we have heard. That's what Abraham did. So Abraham departed. He did this in obedience. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. He just simply obeyed God. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. My friend, Brother Dwight Tomlinson is here this morning. The first time I ever saw a church planter uh, was when my dad put me in a station wagon car and we drove from San Jose, California up to Redwood City, California to this man who was in his early 20s, a Vietnam veteran, and God had told him to go uh, to the San Francisco Bay Area and plant a church. And, And by faith, Brother Tomlinson went Uh, to the Redwood Baptist Church. He planted that church because God had burdened his heart to plant that church. And I remember seeing an old house they'd rented and and trying to stand there as as an 11-year-old boy and understand somebody that would move uh, from uh, a faraway place to come to this place and to rent this house and to go door knocking and telling people about Jesus. And praise God, there's a wonderful church there today pastored by a graduate of West Coast Baptist College because Brother Dwight Tomlinson believed God and went to the San Francisco Bay Area and later to other places to preach the gospel. You know, friends, we need to learn how to obey God anew and afresh in this year. 
just to obey every impulse of God as He speaks to our heart and as He calls us into action. Not long ago, I was watching Fox News, and as I was watching Fox News, they had the assistant district attorney from Los Angeles County speaking about the runaway crime. And one of the problems that we're having in big counties like King County and other counties around the nation is the fact that we have very liberal district attorneys and they're not enforcing the laws and people are committing actually terrible crimes and they're going to jail maybe for an hour and then being let out and he was discussing this and and talking about our district attorney this was the assistant district attorney and as he was talking I just sensed not with an audible voice I just sensed the Lord put on my heart you need to contact him and so I found his phone number and I called him and I said uh, Mr. Hatami, my name is Paul Chapel. I'm the pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church. I really appreciated what you said today on the television about fighting crime and keeping our community safe. And I'd like to invite you to come and visit our church this Sunday and see how I might encourage you somehow. And sure enough, he and his wife came. She's a L.A. County uh, deputy sheriff, and they came to service. We had lunch together. A few days later, they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And uh, now he's working on his campaign to run to become uh, our deputy, uh, or our district attorney in Los Angeles County. Uh, I'd love to see him elected. We may have a safer county someday because a man accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. I'm saying this, obey every impulse of God. God said, Abraham, I want you to follow me. And the Bible says, so Abraham departed. Teenagers, it's not that hard. Children, obey your parents. Just obey your parents. It's not that hard. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together. It's not that hard. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Just as the Lord reveals his will to you, step by step by step, then like Abraham, just depart and do his will. He was obedient unto the Lord and he was trusting of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. What a tremendous challenge we see in Abraham's life. We see a faith that was exercised, but we also see a faith that was expectant. It was an expectant faith. Now, I want you to notice again in Genesis 12 and verse 1, now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy uh, kindred and from thy father's house, notice this now, unto a land that I will show you. God says, I'm going to show it to you. You've just got to get going and trust me. You've got to expect that I am going to bless you as you follow me. I pray that you are expecting God to do something great in your ministry this year. I'm expecting that God is going to do some great things at Lancaster Baptist Church. I'm expecting that. We've just printed another 100,000. Last year, we went to 527,000 homes with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last year, we took on many different new missionaries. We have college students today in New Zealand and some in uh, uh, Mexico and others next month going to the Philippines and, and uh, preaching the gospel and learning about missions. We have soul winners that are going out in bus routes on their way out. Why? because we believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We're not going on missions trips just to study a culture. We're not going out soul winning just to do a religious duty. We're asking God to use us to bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now in the process of this, Abraham became the friend of God. Isaiah 41 and verse 8 says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Teenagers, one of the great things about 
following God when he calls you is you get to be the friend of God. Amen. Now, he'll, he'll love you no matter what. God's love is unconditional. He loves people that don't even follow him. Aren't you thankful for his love and mercy? But you become the friend of God as you follow him. Enoch walked with God and he was no more. Abraham walked with God and he was the friend of God. The Bible says in Genesis 15 and verse Number six, and he believed in the Lord and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Hebrews eleven ten. for he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Abraham's faith produced a friendship with God. Abraham believed God. The gift of righteousness came, not by works, but by faith in God's revealed word. Abraham was saved by faith. Abraham grew into a relationship by faith. His faith produced a friendship with God and God loves you and he has saved you by giving his son to die on the cross for our sin but now he says that's just the beginning I want you to journey with me I want you to get to know me as we travel along the way Abraham's faith uh, was something that produced a friendship with God but Abraham's faith also required patience the Christian life is not something that just uh, is going to immediately bring about a depth of a relationship through the process of time, we can get even closer and closer to the Lord. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will make of thee a great nation. Now what is promised to Abraham here in Genesis chapter 12 was not immediately fulfilled. And the fact of the matter is, as Brother Wilkerson said this morning, uh, he was a young boy when he got saved. He was a Christian school teacher when he got called to be a pastor. Uh, this is a process of time. This is a lifetime of surrendering ourselves. I will tell you, I never thought in my entire life, I never thought when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, that, that God would allow me some of the great opportunities He's given to me. Opportunities of prayer and fellowship and soul winning and opportunities of witnessing and opportunities of visiting wonderful places and, and uh, having uh, governors in our church and uh, invitations to the White House, all these different types of things. Sometimes I know Brother Wilkerson, you get in certain situations and you say, how did I get here? What, what's God doing in this situation? But I'm here to tell you that if you'll just take the first steps to follow God, He'll open doors in your life and use you in ways you never thought possible. And it all begins with faith. Now in Abraham's case, he did not see the answer to verse 2 until 70 five years later but he had the faith to follow God and that leads us secondly to this he had faith to journey with God faith to journey with God now Hebrews eleven nine says by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in the tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise his faith was a journeying or a traveling faith in fact, notice if you would in our text, verse number 9 of Genesis 12. It says, And Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. Every one of us must decide, Am I in the Christian life for the long haul? Am I going to journey all the way with God? Teenagers, you in the Christian school, you're going to do this till 12th grade and then live for yourself? Are you just in it because your parents put you in the Christian school and I'm out of here when this is over? Or are you going to journey with God? 
pastors? Are we going to journey as long as the church is doing well and the paycheck is right? Are we going to journey as long as uh, uh, people are treating us fine? Or, or when the trials come and the pays down and the tr- difficulties come, are we out of here? Uh, the fact of the matter is we need some journeymen in the ministry today, some young people, some pastors who say, I'm in this until God calls me home. And we see here he had faith to journey. He had this traveling faith. Verse 9, and Abraham journeyed going on still toward the south. This was a several hundred mile journey that Abraham took uh, to get to the promised land. It was a traveling faith. But I want you to notice also it was a tested faith. As we said last night, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And along this 75-year journey, and along this uh, 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 journey of faith, there would be many tests. Notice in verse 10 of chapter 12. And there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Can I share with you that there will be times of famine in the journey? There'll be times when you're trying to be a faithful soul winner. And... and, uh, and yet seven families left the church. For some of us, COVID was a little bit of a famine, was it not? Fifty times during COVID, 50 different times during, during 2021, I had families come up to me as I was shaking hands Sunday morning after church. How you doing? Hey, praise the Lord. Some of them were wearing masks and so forth, of course. Fifty times. Tithing families, not just families that maybe were fringe that I didn't know. Pastor, you led us to the Lord in 1995. We sure appreciate that. Just wanted you to know we're moving next week to Texas. Pastor, sure appreciate you leading our children to Christ and starting the school where they graduate. We'll be moving to Arizona now. Pastor, just wanted to say thank you so much for spending those all-night prayer meetings when our daughter was almost dead in the hospital. But now we're going to be moving to Idaho now. We've already bought our home there. And uh, thank you so much. Fifty times, I don't know how many thousands of dollars in tithes. But that didn't matter, the tithe part. What mattered to me was these were people we loved. These were testing times. We're going out soul winning that same year, but no one wanted to even talk, much less come to church. And sometimes in the ministry you have seasons like that. You're wondering what in the world is going on. Uh, people are leaving and we're trying to do what Jesus said and get them to come back. And yet there is something to this matter of just being faithful to God. I remember when we were uh, trying to figure out how to get the college going September 2021. There are 303 colleges in Los Angeles County. 300 of them did not open September of 2021. I kept calling our county supervisor and I kept saying, um, is there any way we can get it, go, get it open? I, please help me. She said, I, I just am telling you, they're not letting these public gatherings happen. Finally, I, I remember they said that, that the uh, essential workers could still have training. And I called her up and I said, uh, I, her name's Catherine. I said, Catherine, I see here that essential workers can still have training, and I believe that the ministry is considered essential work. She said, Pastor, I think you found a loophole. <laughs> so we called everybody, opened up the college. I'll never forget that. We were meeting outside in tents, wearing masks. County, supervi- county inspectors coming every single day. 
I remember teaching one of my classes under a tent, and man, it was hot. Those guys were listening so well, and I was teaching them, uh, teaching them a lesson. And I said, guys, I can't take questions answered today. I got to go make a quick hospital visit. And I got up to, to go to make that visit, and the class, Brother Wilkerson, gave me a standing ovation just because we had opened the college and had class that morning. In the middle of our trial, there was a great spirit amongst the students. God was working in a great way, but God was testing us at that time. Are you going to still open? Are you going to still stay faithful? Are you going to still go soul winning? Are you going to press on the upward way? I'm telling you, along the journey, sometimes there will be testing seasons and difficult seasons. And throughout that time, all of us were going through it. And yet, how many of you can say with me, thank God he brought us through it. Oh, we serve a great and a mighty God. But along the journey, there will be tests. In our area, we have what's known as the Edwards Air Force Base, and it's called the Edwards Air Force Base Flight Test Center. Every Air Force pilot goes through there for training, and every new aircraft is tested there, and it's an amazing, uh, amazing base. And, and uh, the U.S. Federal Aviation also uh, has uh, had some testing done there, and one of the tests that they did years ago was they took a device and they made this device that would launch objects into the windshields of aircraft just to see what velocity the windshield could withstand. And if you have done much in the way of flying, you know that air foul can be a problem if they fly into the engines or they fly into the, into the windows. And so uh, they would take these chickens and they would literally launch them at high speed into these windows and, and uh, that's how they would test it, you know. And I thought, wow, that, that's pretty cool, you know. So, so uh, uh, I, heard, I remember hearing about that years ago. And, and so, uh, but what I didn't know was that over in England, the British were interested in this device that uh, would launch these chickens. And so they said, we'd like to use this device uh, to test the windows of our lo high-speed locomotives. And so they literally got this device, and, and, uh, uh, and the only problem was that when they launched it, uh, the chicken just shattered the windows. And they kept trying it. They checked their windows and all this stuff. And they did it and they just shattered the windows. So the British were stunned and, and they called back uh, to the FAA and they said, now we're doing all this. We're, we're dialing it in just like you say. And the FAA, they reviewed the test thoroughly and they said, they said uh, in their email, they said, we only have one recommendation for you. Thaw the chicken. <laughs> Thaw the chicken. Now what I'm telling you is that testing times are going to come. And, and every one of us need to realize that as Abraham said, okay, Lord, I'll follow you. It wasn't like every day was a blessing and immediately he was in the promised land and immediately he had Isaac and immediately uh, he was the father of a great nation. And I want us all to realize the Christian life is a journey and we need to be faithful to God as we follow him. Abraham had at least three major tests. He had several, but he had on one occasion a test of truthfulness. And I want you to notice that in, in verse number 10, it says he went down into Egypt. And in verse 11, it came to pass when he was come near e into Egypt that he said unto his, Sarah, his wife, Behold now, uh, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say this is... This is his wife, and, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. So I pray thee, thou art uh, my, say that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy, for thy sake, and that my soul shall live because of thee. Here we see a test of truthfulness, and Abraham did not 
passed this test of truthfulness. Abraham lied to preserve his life, and, and because of the lie, if you read the story, he was kicked out of Egypt by Pharaoh, and, and, and sometimes the tests come, and, and uh, we sometimes pass them, we sometimes don't, and Abraham did not pass this one. There was another test, which was the test of generosity. In Genesis chapter 13, Abraham and Lot uh, had a strife over the land, and Lot was settling in the luxuriant Jordan plain, and in and, and Genesis 13 and verse 10, it says, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt as thou comest unto Zor and Abraham in that test allowed Lot to have a portion of the land and Abraham passed that test the test of just generosity Abraham had the test of patience. Genesis 13, notice in verse 14 it says, And it came to pass that when Abraham was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. And uh, uh, as, uh, uh, excuse me, chapter 13 and verse 14, And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it to the, thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, they shall be thy seed, shall also be numbered. And so God said, Abraham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to multiply your number but Abraham lost patience. And around age 85, after 10 years of waiting for God, Abraham went in unto Hagar in Genesis chapter 16. And, and Abraham was 86 years when Ishmael was born. Now I just want to pause here for just a moment. Because we believe that when we're saved, we're completely sanctified, we're completely forgiven. And by the way, how many of you are thankful for that? And someone says, well, why do we have to confess our sin then? If we're sanctified, and there are actually people these days who teach that the confession of sin or the repentance of a believer after salvation is not necessary. They claim to have a, an understanding of the gospel that means since I am sanctified and justified uh, and I'm just wrapped up in the gospel, then uh, I don't need to repent or confess uh, my sin. I, I've, got it, I've got it all covered. Now, positionally, they're correct. Doctrinally, they're uh, saved. And, and thank God for His grace. But I want you to just think about a, a little principle here. And that is that after Abraham went in and committed adultery with Hagar, he did not hear from God for 13 years. And I believe the reason that we confess sin is not to get saved again. It is to restore that friendship. It is to come back into fellowship with God. Finally, God fulfilled His promise to Abraham. In Genesis 17 and verse 15, God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but, uh, but Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. And at age 90, God allowed Sarah to have a baby, one of the great miracles of the Bible. Genesis 17 says that when Abraham heard this was going to happen, he laughed. He wasn't sure what would happen, but then he, he followed God in faith anyways. He trusted the Lord. And uh, what we learn from Abraham is along the journey, don't get ahead of God. Don't justify sin. Don't rationalize sin. 
Well, my parents don't understand. Well, my wife doesn't understand. Well, the church is too hard. Well, God said he would bless and he didn't. So I'm just going to have to do it my own way. There will be testing times. There will be waiting times. But do God's work in God's way. The Bible says in James 1 and 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let Patience have her perfect work that ye may be complete and entire, wanting nothing. And God is simply showing us in Abraham's life that it takes faith to follow. Yes, to be saved it takes faith. But it's going to take faith along the journey. And we've got to keep trusting our Lord every step of that journey. And it won't always make sense. And sometimes it'll seem like it's taking too long to get out of school and too long to build the building. And what in the world is going on? We never see souls saved. But keep trusting God through those times. In Ronald Reagan's book, An American Life, he said, I was raised to believe that God had a plan for everyone and that seemingly random twists of fate are all a part of his plan. After I lost my job at Montgomery Wards, my mother told me that everything in life happens for a purpose. She said all things were part of God's plan, even the most disheartening setbacks, and in the end, everything worked out for the best. How many of you would say that going from Montgomery Wards to the White House, things worked out okay for him? God has a plan for your life. And in those seasons of doubt and difficulty, in those seasons when you're hurting, just keep trusting God. Just keep believing that there is a God who rewards his people's faithfulness. Abraham had faith to follow. Abraham had faith through this journey of testings and ups and downs. But thirdly tonight, or this morning, I want you to know that Abraham had faith to sacrifice. He had faith to make sacrifices for the Lord. Now throughout his career, he built various altars and made sacrifices. This was something we see throughout uh, the Old Testament. We were reminded of the foreign invaders that captured Lot, and, and Abraham took 318 men, and he rescued his nephew, and, and, uh, and uh, he brought back a tithe to Melchizedek, the priest king of Salem, and, and uh, Abraham paid in Genesis chapter 14 a, a tithe to Melchizedek, and, and that tithe was given as a, uh, as a thanks offering, if you will, uh, for what God had done with Lot. And then another time, following a reassuring vision, Abraham uh, at that time was promised that he would have a child in Genesis chapter 15. And when he saw the vision, he again, he made a sacrifice to God. And by the way, every one of us ought to be faithful in our tithes and offerings this year. Making sacrifice to the Lord. And here we see Abraham setting that example. But then we know there was an ultimate request. I want you to see the ultimate request. Turn, if you would, to chapter 22. A familiar story in Abraham's journey of faith. Verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains which I will tell thee of. And... Abraham rose up early in the morning. Now, despite the fact that Abraham had failed some tests, despite the fact that he was an imperfect follower, we see Abraham at this point in his life having learned not to question God, but to obey God. 
He obeyed immediately without hesitancy. He had learned to trust in God's word and God's promises. Hebrews 11:17 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him a figure. Here was a sacrifice that was made. My son Larry's here today, and he preached to the teenagers last night. Larry's our youth pastor, does a wonderful job ministering to five or six hundred teens every week, and we're so thankful for his ministry at Lancaster Baptist Church. And I remember when Larry was diagnosed with cancer 12 or 13 years ago, Brother Smith, and sometime shortly after that, we came here to the meeting and preached, and you made those prayer cards, and pastors all over the Northwest prayed for Larry's healing, and I still am so grateful to you for that. Probably one of the greatest trials, if not the greatest trial, our family went through. And Larry had a couple of major surgeries and a very difficult chemotherapy. I remember on occasion, uh, I think it was either Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, Larry having those staples in his stomach and we were praying and, and just asking God to raise him up and heal him. And I, I, I ran home that next morning and just kind of uh, emotionally and physically not doing well. And on the way... Getting ready to go to the hospital, my friend, Dr. R.B. Ouellette, called me on the phone, and he said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing okay, I think. I said, I, uh, sometimes I struggle with all this, and my spirit is fearful and difficult, and he quoted some verses to me. And then he said something that I'll never forget. He said, Brother Chapel, have you ever had your Abraham moment? where you just said, Lord, I just give you my son whatever you want to do? Can I be honest with you? I didn't like that question. I'd been begging God to save our son, to heal him, and thankfully he did. When he asked me that, I didn't even answer him. For a long time, finally I said, well, I don't know. That's about as close as I I said, I don't know. I hung up the phone. I went into the kitchen. My wife was washing the dishes. She had tears coming down her face. I said, honey, Brother Willette just asked me a question. I said, he asked me, have I ever had my Abraham moment? And I said, honey, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever have. And I said to her, have you? Tears just began to pour. She said, yes, I have. And as usual, she was more godly than me. <laughs> Sometimes on the journey, there will come precious things that God will either test you to see if you're willing to give or he may even ask you to give as he develops and builds you along the way. Abraham believed that Isaac was the promised seed. Abraham believed that God had given Isaac to him. 
Abraham believed in God so much, he believed that God could even resurrect him. If that be the case, Genesis 22 and 4, then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off, and they went up to Mount Moriah, and there, as you know the story, not only had there been the ultimate request, but now the ultimate sacrifice would be made, Genesis 22 and 9, and they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there, and he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here am I and he said lay not thine hand upon the lad neither do thou do thou anything unto him for now I know that thou fearest God seeing thou hast not withheld thy son thine only son from me and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram was caught in the thicket by his horns and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son notice that phrase that God said he said Abraham he said now I know that thou fearest God this entire journey of the Christian life is that we might give God glory that we might show God uh, praise that we might show that we fear and that we love and that we honor him but the question today is what are we willing to sacrifice in order that a great work might be done you're never going to find a great work being done for God that didn't start with a story of sacrifice somewhere I was preaching a few months ago Brother Wilkerson for Brother Sal Minivar Brother Sal Minivar was a deacon in our church, and we sent some West Coast Baptist students down to Los Angeles, I guess 20 years ago. And, and we were just sending them down, going door knocking on Saturdays. Los Angeles is a city of five million people with two independent Baptist churches. And I said to our student body, we ought to do something about that. And so we began to knock doors. And some of our guys were leading people to the Lord and keeping track of their names, going back, discipling them. And, and uh, we were talking about maybe a church someday. And I was just praying, how's this going to work? And they were too young to pastor the work. And one day one of our deacons came up to me and he said, Pastor, I believe God wants me to go down there and be the pastor of that church. Now Sal's about 5'6". He's from El Salvador. And uh, I'm just kind of thinking to myself, Man, I, I don't know how that's going to work. But he, he said, please pray at least about it, Pastor. I believe God wants me to do that. Sal was in the garment business. His main customer was Levi's. He did cutting for the Levi's Corporation. And uh, he had been blessed financially. In fact, if you ever visit our campus, you know where the sign is, Lancaster Baptist Church, West Coast Baptist College. Sal had purchased that 10 acres and given it as a gift to the church on one year for a special offering. One of the deacons came up to me one day and they said, Pastor, we know Sal's thinking about moving down to L.A. We just wanted to let you know. His tithe last year was $120,000. And I remember thinking, well, surely he's not called to leave and be a pastor. There's no way. <laughs> surely that's not God's will, you know. <laughs> but it was God's will. And Sal went down and began preaching there. My wife trained his wife on how to train the children and teach the children. And I bought him Bible commentaries and helped him learn how to preach. And they were having their anniversary the other day. And he said, Pastor, would you come and preach the anniversary? He's been in so many buildings, you know, schools and rented buildings and all this. And finally, they bought an old building from an old Pentecostal church. And I had a couple of our men that are in our security ministry. They said, Preacher, you're not going to that neighborhood without some about some uh, uh, security around you, you know. We gotta, we gotta pack some pistols around you and all this type of thing. So, so I said, all right, you guys come, a couple of police officers, and they had all their, all their equipment, you know. 
And sure enough, we got into that neighborhood. I hadn't been there. I just told them the neighborhood. Man, I'm telling you, we pulled in there. On one corner is a mosque, just a huge mosque. On another corner is the cannabis industry, all the marijuana sales. Another corner is all the just gang members hanging around. I don't know how tall. There's a fence probably 12 feet tall all the way around the church. Well, we pulled up. Guys are like, Pastor, you, sh- you sure? Is this the right place? I was even thinking, let's just stay in the car until more people come. We don't need to get out and look around for them. Really. It, was, it was quite a neighborhood. Homeless people everywhere. They purchased these motorhomes and just park them everywhere down there. And they just let them stay there. Honestly, I've been to many foreign countries much nicer than that. Finally, uh, Brother Sal came and he walked us in and there's these German shepherd dogs. He had to put them away. That was his security system. (laughs) We walked in and Sal goes, Pastor, isn't it wonderful? They had a beautiful home in Palmdale. I mean a half a million dollar home at least. They bought a little home. He said, our home's right there, right by, right, right here, right by the church. Isn't that wonderful? He brought me into the church. Everything was wonderful. People started coming in. Here, there's this huge fellow, about six, nine, huge, strong black guy came in. He said, Pastor, that guy over there, Gary, he, he was homosexual until just about six months ago, but he got saved. Isn't that wonderful? He's coming tonight. Oh, here's Sally right here and her husband. She was a prostitute in our neighborhood. But she got saved and now she's married. Those are, those are her children. Isn't that wonderful? And everything he saw and everything he described, even though I was kind of nervous and our security guys talking to each other, here comes, watch out for this guy, watch out, watch out for that guy. Oh, we were as nervous as we could possibly be. But Sal was saying, isn't that wonderful? Thank God for a man that would sell his business and sell his house and move to an inner city and reach lost souls and do a wonderful work for Jesus Christ. God may want you to sacrifice something. Some of you young people, God may touch your heart to go to Bible college and there may be someone that thinks you're weird and there may be someone that says, what are you doing that for? What are you going to go give your life to Jesus? Why, you could go, you could go do something else. Go to, go to a Christian university where you can make a little money and that may be the will of God for some of you. But listen, if God calls you to serve Him, you leave like Abraham did and you go faithfully like Abraham was and you'll be blessed like Abraham was. I never regret that I answered the call of God to preach when I was a seventh grade boy. I'm thankful to God that he lets me preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know as we follow the life of Abraham, yes, uh, he laid Isaac down and Isaac willingly laid himself down. And we're mindful of the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we thank God for the sacrifice that he made. And when we study uh, this matter of the faith journey, we must be willing to have the faith to follow and we must keep faith throughout the journey and from time to time we must have the faith to make the sacrifices necessary whether it's time to go out soul winning whether it's finances whether it's leaving a place of comfort whatever it is God is always pleased with a life of faith in Him God is looking for people who still believe 37 years ago my wife and I left a nice neighborhood and a nice job and salary and and uh, we went to Los Angeles County 
to a group of 12 people. They said, we can't pay you. We, we can't give you medical insurance. We know your wife's expecting. They said, we don't really have anything to offer, but we sure would like to have a pastor come. They had two lawsuits they were in. Church was in foreclosure. But God called us to Lancaster, California. The Mojave Desert. It was God that put us there. I remember when we first went there, when I was in Bible college, my wife, Terry, and I, we would, we would talk about maybe someday we'll be a pastor in Durango, Colorado. There's a church there, the Calvary Baptist Church. No kidding, that church, pastored by a good friend of mine today, but that church has a, a, a creek with trout in it just right on the edge of the property. And I, I, remember, I remember telling Terry, now, if we pastored there, if I just flipped it out just, just right, I think I, could, I, I think I could fish from my study. And uh, we, we went to Lancaster that first week, and it was so hot and windy, and I, I was out knocking on doors, and I would get lost in that little town trying to figure out where to go, and, and I was inviting people to come, and nobody was being friendly, and nobody seemed to want to come, and I don't know how many hundreds of doors I knocked on, and honestly, Brother Wilkson, in those first five days, I had not one person saved. I felt like such a failure. I came home and uh, had some... Lunch that Saturday afternoon, I had ramen and peanut butter and jelly for lunch, and boy, that was good. And you know, the phone rang. Phone, the, the phone rang. We had forwarded our phone from where we were, and, and I, I picked it up, and I said, hello. And uh, the fellow said, are you Paul Chapel?" I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I'm the deacon from the Calvary Baptist Church in Durango. I said, Terry, it's Calvary Baptist Church in Durango. He said, we, we recently lost our pastor, and we were wondering if you'd like to come and be our pastor. And I remember thinking to myself, no one would ever know if we left Lancaster. <laughs> and I said, sir, God already called us to Lancaster, California. I thanked him for the call. A few minutes after that, my daughter Danielle came up to me and I had the privilege of leading her to Christ. She became the first convert in our ministry. She was baptized that Sunday morning. That was the beginning of so many blessings. That was the beginning of seeing thousands upon thousands of people saved and some 20,000 people baptized. That was the beginning of a great missions program and a Christian school and a radio broadcast and a Bible college and all of these things. Where did that begin? Faith. Faith in God. Faith to leave. Faith to journey. Faith to sacrifice. Faith to trust. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Some of you need to believe that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And enlarge your faith as Abraham did. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for this time to learn about soul winning and faith in the Christian life. Oh Lord, would you help us to launch out this year in faith? Help us to journey this year in faith, even when the trials come. Help us to be willing to make sacrifices that you call us to make, Lord. Help us to hold loosely in our hands the things of this world. Father, we ask that you would bless every church, every teen, every adult in this room today.